welcome to part two of season two. And if you've not already listened to part one, then I would highly, highly recommend that you go back and do that just because there's a lot of changes happening to the podcast. And one of the biggest ones is I have brought on a co-host, Seth Connor, who is a friend and a business partner. Um, but last episode, we dive into kind of the history of our relationship and how we did not like each other and why we did not like each other. And then eventually how we became really close friends and business partners. But we wanted to extend the conversation to what is coming in season two. And that's really what we're going to be diving into with this episode is what you can expect. And I would say we spend a fair bit of time talking about plant medicine, psychedelics, um, going down that rabbit hole a little bit more than all of the topics we're going to be covering. So it is not exclusive to that. But it is definitely a big part of both of our journeys. And so because of that, we, we're, as you could tell in the conversation, we're pretty passionate about it. And we go down that rabbit hole together a little bit, just scratching the surface. So if you've not already, I would highly recommend that you listen to part one, as well as if you are not already a subscriber to subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes, because we have got some doozies in line for you. And um, so let's go ahead and dive into part two of the intro to season two. Men, we are not simple, chest-thumping, rock-smashing, fire-starting barbarians. We have depth. We intensely feel. We are scared, yet brave. We love to have fun. We're imperfect and make mistakes. We're compassionate and loving. We are multifaceted. Let's explore the reality of masculinity together. All right. Well, we are going to dive into some fun stuff, and I'm not going to waste any time with today's episode. Uh, if you didn't listen to the last episode, part one, you definitely want to do that because uh, it goes into some of Seth and I's background, uh, what we learned from kind of our process and our journey, and and really, I guess, Seth in a way summarized 10 years of friendship in 30 minutes. But, um, you know, for the most part, uh, that's it's going to fill you in on kind of what we're all about and, and the background of why we're working together with this. This part here, part two, is going to be really laying a foundation for what we want to dive into together on season two. Now, I do want to start by saying it is still going to be multifaceted masculinity. We're not getting away from the core of the other episodes. So if you've enjoyed the podcast so far, I would encourage you to subscribe if you haven't already. But um, we're still going to be diving into a lot of the topics that we had started to unpack in season one, What you know, just navigating your inner world. Probably one of the biggest differences, There's well, there's two, I would say, is, is one is Seth is now on board as a co-host. And he brings an immense amount of value and life experience and knowledge uh, and flavor to the conversation. Um, and then the other is plant medicine. And uh, I would say even branching beyond plant medicine into some of the synthesized medicine as well. Now, a lot of people call them drugs right now because of the legal status. And just as a disclaimer, we are not recommending that you do anything. We are not prescribing anything. We are not saying that what worked for us will work for you. Uh, we are merely giving some of our knowledge that we have gained from the last couple of years of working with plant medicine, uh, the benefits that we've personally have experienced, and some of the things that we've heard from other people that have chosen to kind of go down this path. But uh, neither one of us are a doctor. We are far from that, and uh, with both with knowledge, expertise, and experience. Uh, a lot of our experience is from kind of life experience, um, and some would argue that there's a lot of value in that as well. And so um, diving into plant medicine, really, we want to talk first and foremost you know, just about psychedelics uh, in general, because it seems to be kind of more of a buzzword and trendy. It, it reminds me a lot of CBD five years ago. And, um, you know, obviously that has 
gained a lot of ground in the sense of both legal as well as the science around it. And it's a little bit different with psychedelics because of the the war on drugs and things like that, in my opinion. But um, similar in the sense of more and more people are talking about it. The stigma is being removed. Um, but now when you have that, what you still have is a lot of unknowns. You know, people that are curious, but somewhat afraid for whatever reasons, whether it's, you know, stories they've heard about their second cousin Johnny dropping acid and driving off a cliff or whatever it may be uh, that kind of has them hesitant, but also curious. And um, so within psychedelics, I think a good place to start is psilocybin because um, that is what I used. I microdosed with psilocybin to come off of all of my antidepressants and um you know, there's microdosing as well as macrodosing, but um, just so that I'm not hogging the, the spotlight here, Seth, I guess just in general, plant medicine as a whole, um, you know, we're going to get into the weeds of it, but what are your thoughts around just plant medicine and kind of the stigma or, or the societal acceptance in the last couple of years? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was chomping at the bit to, to start talking about this in the last episode, just because I was re reminded of um, having this conversation with my dad about four months ago mm. because just a just a quick background um, for the last year and a half when my marriage ended it had to do it had to do around you know um, psychedelics okay. and my choice to begin working with plant medicine now for those of the for those of you that know me uh, or know anything about my family uh, my dad is a four or five decade law enforcement officer. Yeah. He he has seen the really ugly side of the war on drugs or drugs in America. And so I get his perspective, but he's also a very conservative Christian. And there's this stigma that goes along with an altered state of consciousness that scares people because you can't control it. It's It's not something that is easily explained everybody's experience with it is different. And so I think that's one of the big arguments is this whole altered states of consciousness that we can put a bad stigma on, especially when you begin to try to read between the lines of the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, you know, um, that people pull things out of there and go, ah, you know, this is, this is bad. This is wicked. This is, has its roots in pagan traditions and things like that. Which real quick, is an interesting thing, and, and this could be a total probably podcast in and of itself, that I think we all tend to do that. Because what I have found is even in the last couple of years with plant medicine, you start to look at the Bible and how plant medicine more than likely had a very significant role in the formation of the experiences that, you know, has, has since been removed. But even me saying that is speculative and now based on my own lens and my own experience and, you know, almost not in the means of justifying, but just looking at it with fresh eyes where, you know, people's other response because of their experiences are like, well, this is why psychedelics are expanding your consciousness is bad or evil, you know? Right. And so I think we all tend to do that. And the more you can be open-minded just in life and, and be slow to pick a side, which I mean, that could be applicable to so many things in life right now. Yeah, I think it's easy to be polarized. Yeah. Uh, not only in the Western society, but also just in the church as well, the Western societal church. It's just easier, easier, easier to be polarized, to choose a side. But for those who have taken the opportunity to educate themselves, to open themselves up and um, take a moment to not judge something yeah. or, or be quick to rush a judgment on something and they begin to educate themselves, they're able to begin looking at the scriptures in a different way. Yeah. And what they will find is that plant medicine was a normal part of every civilization thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah. And it was in the problem is, is that it began to be, removed or uh, criticized because at some point organizations are formed and they can't control people when they are living in this place of freedom yeah. and liberty and uh, freedom of consciousness that comes with the use of plant medicine. But on a scientific level, 
they have looked at the elements of even holy water yeah. that was used, you know, back in biblical times, and there was trace amounts of cannabis or THC. There was trace amounts of uh, DMT that came from the acacia tree, which, um, you know, we won't. I, I don't want to get into the place of speculation, um, which might be fun at some point, <laughs> but you know. Um, there's some fun things to speculate on in regards to, you know, the life of Jesus and the life of other um, superstars in, in the Bible. But when it comes to um, psychedelics, I think that there's been a renaissance lately. Yeah. And the reason is we can, again, lean into science. Thank God that there's been some pioneers in the last 20 or 30 years that have been able to get permission to be, still work with psychedelics for the purpose of healing people in the mental health category. So, you know, folks in at the John Hopkins uh, Institute or uh, the Mayo Clinic or other prestigious institutions across the world have been studying the effects of psilocybin, uh, MDMA, LSD. Even LSD has, was really on the scene uh, 60, 70 years ago before even psilocybin was. Yeah. And, and we can get in, into that, but... Um, LSD was on the list and helping so many people around the world that were dealing with mental health issues until it became, you know, public enemy number one with, you know, when you get into the history of Timothy Leary, which a lot of people can maybe remember where he said, you know, turn on, tune in and drop out. That was Timothy Leary, but he became public enemy number one and he was just easy to make him a villain and therefore making LSD a villain. But in regards to psychedelics, it has so many healing properties that that's why it's back in the, the mainstream now is because there's so many people getting healed from it. And just to highlight one, since it's so dear to you and I, Josh, is veterans. Yeah. Veterans who have been let down by the, the VA, the Veterans Administration, on the mental health side because it's so easy just to throw pharmaceuticals at them. And you know SSRIs and and um, you know things for depression, antidepressants, things like that. But it, it, but we've seen the figures showing that you know 22 veterans a day on average are committing suicide. This was last year's number, and now we're at 18. But that's a large number of veterans that are committing suicide, and the majority of them are actually on these antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And so now we're seeing droves of veterans moving in the plant medicine direction because one, it's not addictive. Um, they don't they don't get hooked on it uh, physically uh, or mentally. They might get uh, addicted to the experience, but that in itself is not a chemical addiction, and that is that is something that is easily can be broken, right? They they can realize, okay, I'm addicted to the experience. I need to back away, but the the healing benefits of it are highly outweigh all the all the rest. Yeah, right. And I, I mean, I would even go as far as to say, as far as you know, the the difference between something that's addictive and the experience being addictive. I know a lot of Christians who are addicted to conferences because why? Not not because of the conference, but because of the experience and. They go in and they get that emotional high or that spiritual high, and then two weeks later, their life's right back to where it was. Um, not to say that they don't get some kind of transformation, and over time, they can't find value and good in it, but I think that's just kind of an easy parallel of, of saying, like, it's people associate psychedelics with this negative, all the negativity around it, and so even if they say, well, how could it not be addictive if you are you know, you're tripping and you're going to these other worlds and atmospheres and consciousness expanding, like, how is that not? And and my kind of counter to that is, well, how is that any different than people that are addicted to conferences? And not even Christian conferences. I mean, you know, that they're signed up for every other Tony Robbins conference because they need that, you know, that dopamine hit or whatever to to boost their confidence. And I think what I would say is a lot of the science that's coming out, what I love, especially about psilocybin for me personally, because that's been such a big part of my own journey, is the science that's showing it's not, not only is it not addictive, it, the experience can be, but the science is showing it's actually healing my mind. And 
it's they're they're proving that and showing that that it's reversing some of the damage of depression it's reversing it's giving it's compressing the blood flow to my default mode network and opening up other pathways in my mind and literally expanding my mind my consciousness and helping me heal myself and you know like you said as far as the the VA is concerned like i said in last episode I'll always be grateful for the VA because I had I, I was on a lot of medications with them, which did keep me from killing myself. Um, you know, I I would say that it did. I ultimately, obviously, I'm here, so I didn't. Um, Are we going to get into that? By the way, are we going to get into you coming off of your medication? Well, yeah, that's. I mean, so, so that's what I was going to say. Is like literally, there there was twice where I tried to come off of my antidepressants where. You know, I'm sure you've heard it before. Where I was like feeling good enough where I'm going, ah, you know, maybe I don't need these or I don't want to be reliant on these anymore. And each time I did, it was horrible. I mean, to start with, I had to go through, it was, it was four different, anti, just antidepressants. There was four different ones that, you know, if you've ever had to take them before, that takes anywhere from two to four weeks of taking them, so you're taking this pill and nothing's changing. So you still feel miserable even though you're taking this antidepressant because it has to change the chemical makeup in your brain to try to adjust for things. And um, and then on top of that, I was having these negative side effects with the first few. So then I had to taper off of them. You know, and, and just one, for example, is, I don't know if you've ever, if you stand up too fast and you kind of feel lightheaded, that feeling, I would feel that every three to five minutes, whether I was sitting or standing, as my brain was coming off of this antidepressant, and I felt like I was going batshit crazy. Like I, I, I was on edge. I, you know, and it was, uh, it was just horrible, right? Um, all that to say, when I finally found one that worked, it worked well enough to kind of prop me up mentally. But I just kind of felt numb and I I didn't feel like I could like move. I, I say if life's a road and there's a ditch full of mud next to it, the antidepressants help me get out of the muddy ditch and just kind of sit next to the road, but not actually stand up and walk down the freaking thing. So it wasn't a it, you were you were managing. Yeah, you weren't. It wasn't a, you know, a, a, it, you didn't feel like your well-being. Or it wasn't productive for you. It was just kind of like oh, I'm barely kind of it's helping me get by a little bit. Yeah. And, and so, and you could argue like how much of that was the antidepressant, how much of that was the condition of my marriage, how much of that was diet and exercise, how much of that was past trauma, how much of that, like there's all these ingredients that make up our inner world. Right. Um, but I do know that when I try to come off of them each time I inevitably end up getting back on them because I was contemplating suicide and like my pendulum swung so far. So I, I was like, I was depressed. The antidepressants got me not depressed enough to function. And then coming off of them, I dropped even lower than where I was before. And I remember having conversations with you of going, okay, I'm desperate enough to want to try this microdosing psilocybin to come off of my antidepressants. And I was also getting ready to sit in an ayahuasca ceremony, which I mean, you can get into the details of the damage that that can do if you're on an antidepressant and sitting with ayahuasca. You never want to do that. So I kind of had this end goal of like, okay, I'm scared shitless, but at the same time, no matter what, I want, like, I feel ayahuasca calling me. And there were connections that were made and it happened very quickly. So in a matter of weeks, I had to be off of them. So I went ahead and microdosed psilocybin and I was kind of bracing for impact of this, I'm going to drop even further. And it was the strangest thing. I don't know if you remember. I mean, I definitely had days where I'm like, I kind of feel blah, right? But I didn't have the suicidal thoughts. I didn't have the, I had actually the opposite. I signed up for a yoga studio and I kind of felt like this, I found myself cleaning my house and actually doing more productive things in the sense of moving me in a healthier direction, just naturally in response to the psilocybin and and it was so i used it to come off antidepressants but it did so much more than just kind of help me manage coming off antidepressants it set me up for 
you know, where I am today in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and I think it's important that everybody knows how difficult it is to come off of an antidepressant. Yeah. You know, they always strongly suggest that you taper off slowly with the help of a professional, um, which is because, because you can become suicidal or homicidal because what happens is when you take this medication, it, it, um, it raises your, uh, your baseline. So, and then and you'll notice that you have to keep taking more or yep. you have to adjust the medication to something else, as was the case for me, because I too was on medication for about a year, year and a half in California before uh, we ended up leaving. And it was, it, I hated it. It numbed me out emotionally. Yeah. My libido was shot. Um, yeah, I w- was getting along with my wife, but at the same time, I was just kind of a shell of a man. And so when I came off of- You were a shell of a man with a limp dick, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. A shell of a man that just could not get it up, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but it was it was not an existence worth having. Yeah, totally. Know? My heart needed to be engaged. I remember watching movies where normally it would pull on my heartstrings and I would be emotional. Yeah. And, and now I was like, just shadow. It was just, you know, it, my heart was not there, which is sad because, you know, I've got, um, uh, new kids running around the house and I want to be engaged with my heart with yeah. them, you know? So I remember when I was finally able to come off of them, it was done through, you know, I actually went to a uh, clinic in Idaho kind of like a clinic, but it was a way, it was a holistic approach to coming off medication. But the whole time I'm working my ass off around this ranch and eating really clean and doing coffee enemas. And, you know, it, it allowed, it distracted me enough that I didn't even realize I was coming off my medication. Mm, like yeah. I didn't have the problems, but not everybody can do that. Yeah. Hence your situation. You, that was not something you're able to do. So when you were like, Hey, I want to come off of this we came up with that plan, you know, essentially uh, to microdose with psilocybin, um, stay connected. You and I stay connected yeah. um, by talking on pretty much on a daily basis, which is key, you know, and anybody hearing this, if this is something that is of interest to you, it has to be done systematically just to keep you safe and those around you safe. Absolutely. Um, you know, other things, like you said, yoga meditation, getting exercise, getting that, those chemicals flowing in your body to replace this, this or helping this baseline begin to lower slowly so that you can come off the medication slowly with the help of plant medicine. Um, I think that's really important. I, I really quickly just wanted to touch again on um, when we were talking about addiction earlier, Yeah, is that people you know will say, oh, these are addictive substance. And we've already stated that they're not. Um, they're actually using them to help people get off or, or uh, break their addictive habits. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of evidence has shown that um, it has an 80% cessation rate for those who are addicted to smoking, which you can't find that anywhere else with anything else out on, on the market to help break the cessation uh, or to break the addiction to smoking. You can't find anything close to 80%, but they're showing evidence that says 80% cessation rate for smoking. I know me personally, I was never an alcoholic. I was never addicted to alcohol, but I would medicate with it yeah, to kind of ease the pain of where I was at with my marriage and life and business and stuff like that. When I did my first ayahuasca ceremony, I lost that need or that desire to medicate with alcohol. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating. So there's something going on there with building these new neural networks in the brain where you know we're choosing different ways of living. When we get those stressors, those triggers, those emotional flags throughout the day, we're able to now choose something else. We're not defaulting, like you said, the default mode network. We're not defaulting to those old ways of doing things, those choices, those reactions that we have always made. We're actually able to expand to to other parts of our brain that says, hey, why don't we choose this instead? And if you do that long enough, that's where the neural pathway gets developed. Yeah. You know, and new, I think that's that a big, one. that's an important point, which is, and, and what I experienced, which was it's, I still had to sign up for yoga. I still had to eat different. And, you know, I still, if I don't get good sleep, totally want to go 
eat a pizza. Like it's not like it just is an end all be all cure all, you know, magic pill that just fixes everything. I still have to engage my free will to choose. What I found was that microdosing opened up my desire to want to choose where when I was on the antidepressants, I just didn't have that desire, right? Which everybody knows it's a double-edged sword, right? When you're depressed, you don't want to eat healthy. When you don't want to eat healthy, you don't want to exercise. You don't want to exercise, you feel lethargic. Then you don't want to see the whole toilet bowl syndrome, right? And for me, the antidepressants, again, helped prop me up, but working with the plant medicine, it gave me that kind of tipping point to engage my free will to choose something different. It was almost like in those moments where all I wanted to do is eat pizza, that's all I would ever do. And and there was enough of a nudge of like, eat pizza or go to hot yoga. Oh man, but when I do hot yoga, I feel better. And kind of having that internal dialogue, but when I'm having that internal dialogue with psilocybin running through my mind, it, I, for me, just for my own life, did a better job of convincing myself of the healthier choice and felt like a more viable option than to just kind of escape and check out. With that said, I still totally, you know, do the unhealthy periodically, but I do it far less. And I also, the the less that I do it, the more that I notice the trade-off when I do it. And kind of like drinking alcohol, right? Like I, I similarly, I don't drink alcohol anymore. I don't care if anybody does. I've got zero qualms with it. But for me, there's just a trade-off and, you know, it affects my sleep and I feel kind of lethargic in the morning and I just don't have the pull for the quote unquote fun aspect of it for the trade-off of what I know that I'm getting into. And I mean, quite frankly, I would rather just kind of take some mushrooms and kind of enjoy my, myself or my evening if I'm just doing it for fun and do that rather than have alcohol. So that that's just my own personal life. But so I do have a question for you, though, Seth, and, you know, I, I mean, I know the answer, but I think you're really good at articulating the differences, which is, what's the difference between microdose and macrodose? Um, just kind of, I mean, whether it's macrodose or hero dose or ceremonial dose, kind of like that stronger, higher amount of something that is psychedelic or plant medicine based versus something that is that kind of smaller, you know, incorporated into your life side of things. So traditionally a a macro dose or a hero dose, or sometimes people call it a ceremonial dose. Um, this normally is kind of defined as three to five grams of psilocybin mushrooms, uh, average, because there's lots of different psychedelic mushrooms out there, but the ones that we normally work with or that say these, uh, institutions work with, uh, or institutes like John Hopkins, They'll work with like a, a, a psilocybe cubensis, which is, is very popular, a psychedelic mushroom, and they'll work from three to five grams. And this will occasion a, a good trip, a good psychedelic experience, something that's going to bring you into uh, a, an altered state. And again, when I say this, like we're not talking about completely losing your mind, like you are not completely going somewhere that you can't come back from. I have found that with most psychedelics, you can control coming in and out of the experience. You can go as deep as you want. The mushrooms or the psychedelics just help you go a little bit deeper depending on how much you take. So that's what they're working with at these uh, in these studies, three to five grams, hero dose. And you it's something that you are enough into an experience that you would not be able to say drive. Or you know, operate no, machinery. You would not, <laughs> right? You are sitting on a couch, or you know, in a safe place. Always a safe place. And we, again, we should get into set and setting at some point. But in a safe place, and um, you know, listening to music or something that is feeding you or allowing you to go deep inside yourself. Now, the difference between that and say a microdose is that a microdose, you don't necessarily need to feel it. Like the microdosing is something that you can take on a daily basis. Uh, you can still function, go to work. Uh, it is allowing you to, it is, it's slowing down the blood flow to the default mode network, like we mentioned earlier, um, allowing you to be more productive, have some more energy. But what I, what I usually say to my clients um, when they're asking about microdosing 
and why to do it, I usually tell them you're you're quieting the chatter yeah. in your mind, that critical chatter, that uh, you know, that chatter that keeps you from being productive. It might derail your day. It's that it's that those thoughts that come into your brain that just tell you you're not good enough, you're not you don't have what it takes, you're not going to be able to complete this, or even the the emotions that follow those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Microdosing quiets that those voices, quiets that chatter, and allows for me to be productive throughout my day, um, and at the same time create new neural pathways in the brain on a consistent basis, on a day to day basis. Whereas with a macrodose, I might only do that once a month, once every two months. Yeah. Right. So this is a more consistent way to work with the medicine, feed my brain or rewire my brain, um, and at the same time get a lot done. You know, yeah. and have a, just yeah, a general yeah. sense of well-being all the time. Yeah, and and for context, you know, the ceremonial dose or hero dose, you know, he's he's saying three to five grams. So the three, so three thousand to five thousand milligrams mm-hmm. of psilocybin, where a microdose is fifty milligrams or a hundred milligrams. You know, maybe two hundred, depending on who you are. So that's why you know you're not necessarily experiencing anything some some, if some some people are sensitive they may kind of feel a little bit of um the flighty yeah that's probably a good word to use yeah um slightly euphoric whatever it may be and so you know you're you're learning how to kind of gauge that and for yourself and what works best for you but um microdosing and you know we can again get more into the rhythm and system and and schedule that you can get, et cetera. Um, but just in general, as a general rule of thumb, you know, understanding the fact that you're taking so little, you're, what you're doing is you're taking enough to make a difference in your mind, but not enough to necessarily disrupt or expand your consciousness or to go that deep within type thing where the macrodose, you really are going deep, I guess is the best way of saying it. Microdosing is a way that you can incorporate the plant medicine into your day-to-day life to really help you maximize what your day-to-day life looks like. Macrodosing or hero dosing is much more of that kind of deep, deep, deep spiritual. It, it may be a maybe a different way of saying it. I don't know if this is the best way of saying it, but is you, you wouldn't want to take a vacation every day. Right. Right. That might be fun the first day or two days or week or whatever, but eventually you you have to move on to life where if you take a vacation once every few months or once a month, it's actually really good for you. You come back and you feel rested and relaxed and recharged. It's that kind of thing, very different, but it's that kind of a similar aspect when it comes to that higher dose where doing it every now and then can, can really enhance your life, but doing it too frequently is uh, counterproductive, you know, right. because you you want time to kind of process what you took away from that experience or to integrate it into your life. And, you know, that's where we do our a lot of our coaching is that integration component of, you know, how do you take these deep revelations or healing or whatever the, the plant medicine may work with you through in those larger doses now, how do you walk that out practically? What does that look like to integrate that change or that revelation or that inspiration into your life on a, on a really practical level? Yeah. And I like to, you know, when people start their journey and I mean their journey into plant medicine, I don't just mean their, their actual, um, tripping experience, but when they start their journey, I, I try to paint a picture for them that looks a little bit like this. So why would you do psychedelics or on a macro level? The, you would do it because a lot of, well, I should say a lot of people experience what I would equate to 10 years or 20 years of therapy in a matter of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine hours, right? That's really appealing to a lot of people yeah, because they're taking a journey and they're coming out on the other side with answers to questions that would take decades to figure out in just regular talk therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy, but like you just said, 20% of the whole process is the actual working with the medicine. It is the preparation that goes into those experiences 
and then the integration of, okay, now I've, I've got all these answers. I've got all these messages and revelation that I received while taking the plant medicine. And I, and again, I say, you, you get those really from within you. Yep. Like I believe those answers are in your subconscious. It's in your DNA and you're just accessing them because we have a gatekeeper that keeps us from getting into our subconscious, at least our, our conscious getting into our subconscious. We have a gatekeeper and we're able to bypass that gatekeeper utilizing the plant medicine and finding the answers that are already within us. But now we've got all those messages. We have all those answers. How do we walk that out in our day-to-day life, in our relationships, in our business? So there's a process of integrating that information into our daily life and then walking it out, implementing it, uh, implementing solutions into our business and into our relationships. And that really, the preparation and the integration afterwards is 80%, in my opinion, of this whole process. So anybody that just wants to use the medicine um, for the first time, like I would say, if you're new to this and you're just going to use it, you're setting yourself up for some challenges or, you know, I don't want to say failure because I don't believe that's the case, but you can maximize the, the efforts that you put into plant medicine by really taking it seriously, having a reference for it and preparing and then integrating it afterwards um, those that have been working with plant medicine for a while, they might want to use it just, um, you know, to sit at home and just spend some time with the plant medicine. It doesn't have to be so ceremonial mm-hmm. every time, yeah. but I do think that people that are starting the journey should start it the right way. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember one of the first times I did a macro dose or a hero's dose. Um, I was laying on my bed and looking up at the ceiling Um, and the ceiling was moving and, you know, like there was visual elements of it, but in that moment, I'll never forget it. It was, it felt like the first time I actually felt love for myself, like the emotion of love. And I just started weeping and I laid on my bed crying for probably 45 minutes going, I love myself. Oh God, I love my, I love myself. Holy shit, I love myself. Whoa, man. Man, Josh, I love you. Like, dude, you are a good man. I love you. You know, and I just kept going on. And I got locked into this vein where uh, so much, whether self hatred or doubt or, you know, all this kind of stuff that I defaulted to or carried for so long. Now, you could say, okay, that's amazing. Going back to your 20, 80%. Now, what does it look like in your life? to love yourself, right? But it, it opened up my ability to actually connect to that. And I still, you know, a year, year and a half later, um, am working on the practical aspects of that. Like for me, loving myself is making sure I do hot yoga on a regular basis. Loving myself looks like making sure I'm connected, loving myself. You know, there's just all loving yourself is so broad, but I, I can still feel, even as we're talking right now, I can feel that emotion for myself that I just couldn't, it's like, I couldn't access it. Yeah. And, and you, you're keying in on something very, very important in regards to the why question, why work with plant medicine? One of the greatest reasons to ever use plant medicine is to increase your self-love is to, is to take the, cause a lot of us deal with self-hatred. We're very critical of ourselves. There's a lot of people in our world and in our lives growing up and, and, you know, that are communicating thing, devaluing statements to us. And we get to this point where we just don't really like ourselves very much. And that's on a subconscious level. And so we won't take care of ourselves. We won't love ourselves. We will do the easy things in life because we don't think we're valuable enough to, to live amazing lives Absolutely. and do amazing things. So the plant medicine, I think the whole purpose of it is for us to fall back in love with ourselves, to have this level of self-love so that we can begin to choose really good things for us in our life. And then the people around us see that and we, they begin to look at our example and they begin to want to love themselves more. And really, we, we can't give away what we don't have. So if we're not loving ourselves really well, we're actually keeping from the world. We're keeping from our close relationships love greater love that they can receive from us you know because again we can't give away what we don't have so if we can learn to love ourselves really well and i really think that that's what 
um, plant medicine helps us do and allows us in our healing to find that self-love. Yeah. So, well, I just love in general. Like I, um, I actually had an experience just, uh, two weeks ago with MDMA where I took some MDMA and it was by myself. Um, and obviously it's synthetic, but it, I ended up sitting my ex-wife in front of me, like kind of in the moment, she wasn't physically there. And I talked through our divorce and I talked through our relationship and so much. And, um, I, it's hard to put in words, the love that I felt for her and for our history and our past. And at the same time felt like I was able to let her go in a way that I couldn't really without having the conversation I had. I mean, we probably talked for like an hour, you know, um, or I should say I talked, you know, I just kind of verbal processed all these different things and it, it just, it just opened up my heart and kind of lowered my guard or shut down my mind to the point where what I really feel was, was able to be present, you know, and there's all kinds of research coming out with MDMA assisted therapy and the benefits of that and et cetera. But, um, you know, I think so many of these things have been demonized over the years and fortunately, like you said, we're at a place where the science is coming forth again because the funding is coming back. And so the science is coming back to show the benefits of all these different things. Um, and really what we want to do in, in season two is be talking about all of these, not just with our own life story, but also the things that we're learning. And I mean, this episode was going to be an overview of season two, but in case you did not notice, we are slightly passionate about plant medicine because uh, we had an entire outline of like, this is what season two is going to look like. Uh, and we just rattled off plant medicine stories for, you know, 35 minutes. Um, but we are, like I said in the beginning, we are going to be still maintaining kind of the multifaceted masculinity aspect, which is just as men, how do we navigate our inner world? What does that look like? What does it look like to be a healthy, strong man? And we both believe that plant medicine is an integral part of that, or it has been for us, we'll say. Um, but that's not to say that there's still not questions and challenges and hurdles and, and unknowns within our own inner world. Um, maybe plant medicine helps illuminate some of that, but it's not like we're always on plant medicine 24 seven. And so we're still going to be talking about spirituality and talking about, um, here's a good one, dating post divorce with kids. Yeah. That's fun. Not really. I mean, it is, but it's also kind of messy. And how do you do that? And, um, in a healthy way and communicating within relationships, um, you know, maintaining your strength, your inner King, what does it look like to have a healthy relationship with God and the universe and, and nature and, you know, coffee enemas. And like, you, you just like, we want to kind of open ourselves up with our life experiences. And as I've done with the previous episodes, um, you know, just talk honestly about what does healthy masculinity look like? What does it look like to get back to that multifaceted, that, that, masculinity that has a strength but also a tenderness a a fierceness but also is willing to be vulnerable um you know how do you navigate all of that and um i'm really excited seth to to dive into those with you and to really expand those conversations um you know we within plant medicine you know we want to talk about there's all kinds of things whether it's we were talking a lot about psilocybin but I mean, there is MDMA, there's LSD, there's cacao, there's, you know, rape or hape, depending on what part of the, um, what country you're coming from talking about that. There, there's so many things that are accessible that are from this earth that we can use to really maximize who we are. And um, as well as aspects of science, as far as like biohacking, and, and we're going to get into all of that. And so there's all kinds of things we want to talk about and dive into, but really our heart is to extend this conversation into your worlds, to really stir conversations within your friend groups and, and your marriages and your dating relationships, whatever it may be, um, to help move forward, all of us looking for 
you know, what does it look like to be a healthy man, a healthy, well-rounded man who is strong and confident, but also um, isn't afraid of isn't afraid of embracing his strength, but also doesn't let that pendulum swing to the you know the old school old school unhealthy bro who doesn't feel anything. Yeah, that was really good, man. That was a really good summary of what season two is going to look like. I'm, I'm like, where do we, where do we go from here? I, you know, I, I know that you mentioned a few plant medicines. Um, one that I really like, and I'll just, I'll just start cherry picking on some of the things that you just said. And, and then I'm, I'm sure you want to wrap this one sure, up, yeah. but, uh, you know, we, we mentioned psilocybin mushrooms, like you said, MDMA, LSD, these things are like hot words, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I remember a few years ago when when LSD kind of popped on my radar uh, when someone when a, a good friend of ours mentioned it, and I and I had that same programming that I grew up with. Like, like I said, my my parents were law enforcement, and so I was the dare kid. <laughs> sure, you know, yeah, I would. I got, I'm telling y'all, like I had the best poster and I won the medal for best you know poster at in dare. Um, so I was, look how far you've come. I know. Right. I mean, <laughs> my parents are so proud, <laughs> but LSD was still a hot word at 35, Yeah, you know, and now it's because I took a risk. I, I stopped judging. I took a step back and I educated myself. I took an opportunity to educate myself and not just lean into the programming that I had for 35 years. I began to discover that the stigma of these things didn't necessarily need to be there anymore. Yeah. You know, and and I know that they come from certain campaigns from the 60s and the 80s and and what what our parents had to grow up with or or uh, be a part of, you know, when uh when we were just little kids. And so I can understand why the programming is there, but you know, the the fear of having a bad trip, like just a stigma. Like yeah. that's a, that's an easy one to talk about. Um but another uh, plant medicine that I forgot to mention was just um, what they call wachuma or some people know it as San Pedro or if you're familiar with peyote. Like these are all plants that indigenous peoples have been using for thousands upon thousands of years. So why is it that we stopped using them? Why is it that um, it's, uh, you know, it's no longer okay to, to leverage the healing properties of these plants? And I think I know we're going to get into more of that throughout our our season and our episodes. But one thing that you did mention that I'm excited about is talking about spirituality, our Christianity, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, more kind of like deconstructing that. Um, what is, what is God? What is universe? What is, you know, um, who was, who, maybe who was Jesus really, if we look at other, you know, aspects of who he was and, um, you know, and then again, into our emotions. Cause I know, as you know, this last week has been a very interesting week for me, where I was struggling very much with a uh, romantic relationship with someone that I really cared about. And I began to identify through the help of Josh, some very codependent um, behaviors that I didn't realize were there. And I recognized some trauma that was still lingering from the the dissolution of my marriage, uh, you know, and just how that whole situation went down. And so when we start talking about codependence, manipulation, control within relationships, um, being a victim and, and, and perceiving the world from a victim or from an empowered victim's perspective versus being a creator and taking back our power and not yeah, blaming yeah. people anymore and what that looks like on a mindset level, but also what that does to our hearts so that we can go after those things that we really want from our lives and in our world and what we want for our kids as well. Like too much of us, too many times we give away our power and then we sit there and wonder why we suffer or why we can't get from A to D because, um, because we think it's somebody else or some other situation. And really there's a, there's a place where we take back our power and we stop blaming other people. We recognize that we were the problem and we, you know, we get to change our worlds. We get to change our life. And so I'm really excited to dig into that and relationship stuff. So anyway, I just thought I'd add that. Yeah. And by interesting week, you mean absolutely shitty. I want to hide in a cave and never come out again week. That's what it felt like. <laughs> I, I could not tell my ass from a hole in the ground. I don't remember feeling that effed up emotionally yeah. in a very long time. But man, 
was it illuminating and yeah, educational? Yeah, I was going to say, like, on the other side of it, it's you've, you've, there's been a lot of really strong, powerful takeaways. And, and I, that's, I think, like, an interesting point maybe to end on is um, that's kind of what I was alluding to in the sense of we've both been working with plant medicine. You're getting ready to sit with ayahuasca again. Yep. And, um, and yet there's still these emotional things that came up in a relationship that you didn't necessarily realize that then we navigated together through connection and, and relationship of our own. And, and so that's what I mean by multifaceted masculinity. Like it's not just plant medicine as the end all be all cure all, right? There's still things happening in you that you need to be aware of, or that you grow from, or that you learn from. And a lot of that comes from connection either with yourself or with other people. Yeah. We have not arrived. I have not arrived. And oh, I was going to so, say, speak for yourself. No. <laughs> Josh has made it. He's showing me the way. He's showing me the path. Joking. But I, I do know, like, I, there's always going to be something to work on. Yeah. And I can't do it myself. I need the help of something or people. I definitely need the help of people, close people to me, as well as the help of plant medicine to accelerate me in this. Because I don't want to wait around forever. I don't want to yeah. be 30 years down the road just now figuring out something that I could be figuring out now. Sure. But- all that just to say that, you know, it is something that um, needs to be looked upon with reverence and um, something not to, to take lightly. You know, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, if anything that we've touched on is has sparked your curiosity or, let me say, has offended you, or maybe we've said some things that maybe were a hot word or a hot topic where you're like, oh, yeah, I can't go there. I would encourage you slash challenge you to listen to the next handful of episodes. And and maybe just as a, as a great disclaimer and an ask from us is, you know, in the coming weeks, if you hear an episode that really triggers you or really offends you or is outside your current box, um, please reach out to us or comment. Uh, we, we want to have those conversations and, um, like Seth said earlier, it's it's so much easier to just kind of pick a side and and set up camp on that side. And, you know, I would just encourage you to, for your own benefit, it's not even for us or for the podcast or anything like that, just for your own benefit, if you hear something that may be outside your norm or outside your box, to just hit pause in maybe your potential default response or reaction or what you've been taught is the right or wrong response to a certain topic um, and just hit pause on that for yourself. And if there, you know, if there, maybe you have science or thoughts or Bible verses or whatever it may be that that kind of are a counter to that, we want to hear from you in that. So however that is, whether it's sending an email, messaging on social media, commenting on this post, wherever you're, you know, you're leaving a review, any of those things, we're open to that feedback and and look forward to having those conversations. Because like I said before, we want to stir on conversations within yourself, your own inner dialogue, within your peer group or your family or the relationships that are in your life, as well as with us. Um, you know, we have not arrived. We're not sitting on top of the mountain talking down to you. This is a conversation with each other as well as with you. So extend that conversation beyond this podcast or in the episodes coming and and really in um, give let this be an opportunity to give yourself a chance to go deeper than maybe you ever have before within yourself um, or within a certain topic. And you may just be surprised at what you find on the other side of your offense. <laughs>